0: This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good.
1: All right, here we go. From
0: the 10th, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my god, that's incredible! <laughs>
1: Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to (laughs) bet? And
0: we are underway.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here as always with Raheem Palmer. We are here to wrap up and recap the Super Bowl and look back on the NFL season that was The Los Angeles Rams are world champions. Bit of a slow start, but a great finish. Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald come through big late to secure the Rams' victory. Raheem, the Rams are champions. What is the story of the season
0: for you on the Rams? They made the right decision going from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. And when it mattered, their star showed up. Cooper Cup, he made the big plays. Matthew Stafford probably made one of the one of the best throws you'll see and look there's going to be a lot of controversy on how they they actually scored because I think there were some questionable calls down a stretch but Matthew Stafford got it done and look a lot of people who have criticized the Rams for their stars and scrubs approach but it works they're in the playoffs nearly every single season so if you have those top guys at some point it becomes about having the guys who can make plays. And ultimately, that's that's what won them the Super Bowl.
1: I agree. I think that's the story, too. And I, I'm one of the people that has that has disparaged the Stars and Scrubs approach. But you look at down the stretch, when the Rams had the ball last, it's Cooper Cup making all the plays. It's Stafford making the throws. When they get on defense, it's Donald making the big plays to save the game. The Stars came through, and they had to. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's the story. I, I'm excited, too, for, you know, we always – Every league is a copycat league. And though I don't necessarily agree with go all in on the stars, go all in and trade everything for the quarterback, if people try to copy that, that's a much more exciting NFL going forward with teams aggressive and going for the kill. So we'll get into all of that today. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. We're going to look back at the 2021 season that was, and then just a little look ahead to next season. So let's just jump into it. Let's get to the Super Bowl. Rams 23, Bengals 20. Bengals end up covering. The line closed at 4.5, opened at 3.5. They covered all the lines in between thanks to that botched extra point. Game stayed under. Pretty good win for the Bucs. They usually like it when the favorite wins but doesn't cover, and we go under. Raheem, what was, the, what was the story of the game for you? Is it the
0: stars coming through there? No, I think the story of the game was that Odell Beckham got hurt. I mean, it looked like the Rams were gonna run away with this thing and as soon as Odell Beckham got hurt you saw that this offense really couldn't do anything and the Bengals their defense it made every play they had to make to win this game and put themselves in a position to where they could actually have the ball with a chance to win at the 50-yard line so I think the Bengals defense did an incredible job but Odell Beckham was on the way towards winning MVP. Like, they had nothing for him. And, you know, Cooper Cup, he did win MVP, but he was invisible for large portions of this game. And I think a part of that was Odell Beckham being banged up. And this team just didn't have a, a ton of weapons. And it's so funny because we spoke on the Stars and Scrubs approach working, but you saw that when Odell Beckham got hurt, there just wasn't a lot there. So I think that, that was a big story of the game for me. Well, it's not
1: just that Odell, Odell Beckham got hurt, but Tyler Higbee was already out. And then Blanton, the backup tight end missed most of the second half as well. Robert Woods was, was already out. So it was just, th- there just wasn't anything left. Suddenly it's just Cooper cup and a bunch of guys that like, frankly, you and I haven't even heard of some of these names that they're trying to throw to for the championship. And so you you don't have a whole offense when you have no run game and you have a good quarterback and then a one great receiver, the defenses, Super Bowl defenses can stop that. So I think that was a story. The other story too, was the one that we knew going in from the moment, this was the matchup. We knew the Rams had the elite pass rush. The Bengals couldn't pass block. You've probably seen the stat. Seth Walder at ESPN reported Bengals had a 14% pass block win rate in that game. That's the lowest of any team the entire season. Average, just so you know, is about 60%. And the lowest of any team in any game before that was 20%. So really, the offensive line was even worse than it looked. Joe Burrow was surviving it early on, getting the ball out quickly. But there just was too much pressure. In the second half, like you said, Odell Beckham went out. And I started thinking through the Rams offense. I was on the Rams. And they're up at halftime. We know Sean McVay is nearly invincible up at halftime. I'm not feeling great because I'm looking at this offense thinking, man, I don't know how the Rams are going to move the ball enough. And I tweet out, the Rams are going to have to win this with defense now. And then they come out in the first play of the second half, they give up a 75-yard bomb. I'm like, well, so much for winning with defense. And but then they basically pitched a shutout the rest of the game. Uh, the Bengals for the playoffs lost 31.5 EPA on sacks. The next worst for a team in modern era, for a Super Bowl team in the modern era, was the Flacco Ravens with negative 19.3 EPA lost on sacks. So that's practically doubly worse. We knew they had the nine sacks against the Titans in the playoffs. They ended up getting sacked seven times here, six in the second half. They had five in the third quarter. That was a third quarter record. That was a single game record in the Super Bowl. So to me, that was a story we knew coming in and that was the story that played out as well. So early in the game, when Odell is on the field, felt like the Rams were dominating. Did you, do you feel like the Rams might have run away with this one if he stays healthy?
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's the big that – that's why that was the big story of the game for me is just because you saw that they, they kind of got whatever they wanted offensively. And I didn't like that first fourth down play call. Like the Bengals got the ball in good territory. And they're at the 50. And we've really lost something with the entire analytics movement where you feel like you have to be aggressive right away. I think the one thing that Belichick has always done well is that he's not going to lose a game in the first five minutes of the game. And I felt like them going for instead of pushing the, the Rams back and you know, maybe playing the, the the field position game, it pretty much put the Rams up seven nothing right away because the Rams actually weren't moving the ball that well early anyway. So it's like, I I felt like the Bengals defense played well, but you put them behind seven, seven, nothing to start the game, you come back and get a field goal. And then it's 13, it's 13 three right away. And it's just, it just felt like this, this thing could truly get away from them. And then I think, you know, they got lucky, you know, Scoring a touchdown to make it 13 10. But I just think it was some questionable coaching decisions from Zach Teller, in my opinion. Yeah, we both thought the game was
1: going to start out slow. And that's what it was feeling like early. Lots of overcommitment to the run game, early downs, kind of like we expected. Like we complained about the whole playoffs. And so not really much was happening until the Rams suddenly get the ball at midfield and then things opened up. Um, Simon Hunter I'm convinced Me had Odell Backham to score the first touchdown. So that was a great call by him. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Rams were flying uh, cup wide open for his touchdown. I don't know how he lose him is rough beat. If you had the Rams over in the first half, oh, is 13 and a half. So you lost it by that botched extra point by Hecker. Interestingly enough, I, I, I thought that that was going to loom large late. I think it did loom large, but in a way that helped the Rams, the Rams are down four near the end of the game. And we saw how conservative Sean McVay's play calling was, how much he kept trying to run the ball and failing. If you're only down three there, if you make that extra point, I'm not sure that he's as aggressive as he should be. They went for a fourth down, buried in their own uh, territory that they might not have gone for, and they're passing. And you know you have to go for the end zone rather than getting close and then kind of conservative and playing for the field goal. So rough beat if you had the Rams over in the first half, if you we both of us, I think we're on the first half under that depending on the line you got, that hecker extra point made sure that all the unders cleared on that one. But it was it was a low-key a big play because of how it kind of changed the strategy that one point coming into play late. So 13 10 and a half time. Odell Beckham clearly looks like he's out. Uh, Eric Waddell, I was a little worried about. He had that shoulder stinger early on. We knew the Rams secondary was pretty banged up anyway we get to halftime? By the
0: way, did you enjoy a halftime show? I thought about going to the Super Bowl. I'm such a big Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg fan. Like, I wanted to be from the West Coast. I wanted to be from Compton and Long Beach just because <laughs> of them. And I'll, I'll, I've always loved Mary J. Blige. It was good to see Kendrick Lamar. That's my guy. Even though 50 Cent looks like, like he hasn't rapped in years. Like, he's just so focused on film. And him trying to wear that the tank top, you could tell he gained a lot of weight. Eminem did his thing as usual. A really great halftime show. It was good to see hip-hop back on the stage because the NFL just hasn't put on a lot of hip-hop acts. So that was good for me. Yeah, it was an awesome
1: show. I, the, the first half was not the most enthralling play, so I was kind of wishing we would just stuck with the halftime for not, maybe another half an hour set. A lot of artists, was, it would be nice to get more than like one song for each. Like Snoop didn't even get his own song. Eminem got one. So it was a great show, though. So we come out second half uh Evan McPherson by the way didn't even leave he just on the field jamming with everyone else because that's what a rookie kicker does when he's just feeling that and confident like that the Bengals are plus 170 on the money line coming to the second half Sean McVay we know is 47 and one with the halftime lead so I am on the Rams at this point but not feeling great I was thinking about pivoting and playing a Bengals money line but I was worried that the Rams might win by three or less and kind of middle me on the Rams minus four. I think I saw you did play
0: a Bengals halftime money line. Is that right? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I did. I barely got a chance to catch my breath from the halftime show. And before you know it, they're scoring like I'm like, what the hell? Like I literally just put it in the app and then I looked away and I'm like, oh shit, the Bengals scored. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. And I was like,
1: you have to be kidding me. Like it was literally showed up like 15 seconds before. So yeah, the first two plays out of halftime, first play of the half is a T Higgins touchdown. The very next play, Matt Stafford gets picked and I'm like, holy cow, this game is just flipped and this game might be over that fast. So let's talk about the T Higgins touchdown. So Jalen Ramsey on the coverage. Not a great game for Ramsey, by the way. He's jumping a couple times and missing guys. He gave up the long touchdown. However, pretty clear on this play. Key Higgins on the pass, grabs by the face mask and twists to get open. Completely uncalled. 75-yard touchdown. The Rams' win probability dropped from 75% to 51% on
0: that. You have to make that call, don't you? Yeah, I think you have to make that call. I'm never in favor of them making a lot of calls anyway. I Like to me, I want to see the the players on the field win it, but that's a call you got to make.
1: <laughs> yeah. You you have to make the call. I think too. I didn't see a replay of the referee, but again, like you said, this is the first play out of the half. I wonder if the ref just didn't see it because like, you're not even warmed up back on the field. You had this long break. You're still like eating your oranges. And all of a sudden you got Higgins and Ramsey jetting down the sideline I think the ref is probably just trying to keep up with these guys down the sideline. You don't necessarily see a half or a a face mask tug. So at this point, our guys Raybon and Kerner are probably freaking out. They had T Higgins at 60 to one on MVP. He's got two touchdowns already. He had that touchdown from Mixon on a halfback pass. So Bengals take the lead for the first time. Matt Stafford gets the ball back and we're just talking about, okay, it looks like Odell is out. We're going to have to see Scourneck and some of these other guys make some plays. So first play, they throw it to him. He can't keep the ball. It tips it and Elouzier gets the pick at the 32. The Bengals are up. They have the ball already in scoring range. This is the chance I think where the Bengals could have really put the clamps on and they get into the red zone, but like they did all postseason, they
0: couldn't get into the end zone there. It was, it was very interesting because, they actually had a fourth and one on that drive. And even though I wasn't in favor of them going for it on fourth and, and two at the 50 early on in the game, I wanted them to go for it. They actually picked it up, but then they stole out in the red zone before, even before the Super Bowl, they were just three of 11 in the postseason in the red zone. So that, that I mean, that came back to bite them because it felt like throughout the entire second half, neither one of these offenses can get going. And right after that drive, it's like the Bengals, we saw all the, the offensive line woes that we thought would be an issue. They became almost exaggerated almost because yeah. it's just, they couldn't block for the rest of the game. Like, you know, coming into this game, everybody felt like this would be, I think you might, I think you even called it. You said that this would be like the Chiefs in the in the in the Buccaneers Super Bowl. Or yeah. I heard other people mention the Broncos in the Panther Super Bowl. Mm. And to me, I felt like, it was a bit overstated. Like, I felt like the Bengals would be able to get the ball out quick. And they did that through, I'd say, two and a half quarters of this game. And after that, it's just like, for the rest of the game, they just could not handle the pressure. They couldn't handle Aaron Donald, Von Miller. It got ugly. And you look at the other side of the ball, the Rams couldn't, they couldn't move the ball either. So I was sitting there wondering, is this game going to actually end 20 to 16? Are we not going to get any scores in the fourth quarter? And we almost came close to that happening. We did. Yeah.
1: The, the, after those first two plays to start the third quarter, the second half flew by because they're just going three and out and punting over and over again. The Rams are racking up sacks. There is that play where Aaron Donald got credit for a sack. He kind of shoved Burrow out of bounds legally because he was still in Got credit for a sack. And then there was a little kind of tussle on the sideline I think, I think that kind of fired up Aaron Donald after that. I don't know you really want to be doing that with one of the greatest defensive players ever. He gets a sack right after that. Von Miller got the two sacks. By the way, we've said it already, but the Rams just keep trying to run the ball. They get up to the line and then check into a run play. And the Bengals are just firing off on the run every time they're doing that. They were terrible running the ball today. Cam Akers had 13 carries for 21 yards. He has negative 7.6 EPA on the game, early down runs for the Rams, 20 runs, 31 yards, just murdering their offense the entire game. And then suddenly they're in third down. And who's they got to pass to on third down? Cooper Cup. And they're not even looking for him. And granted, uh, you know, I didn't see like the all 22 film, but the Bengals probably have like five guys on the cup because who else do they have to cover at this point? But yeah, the, the time is just flying by. Nobody can move the ball. There's a big play at 20 to 16. The Bengals are driving near the 50. It's third and nine. Burrow hit Tyler Boyd, and it looked like he was going to pick up a first down. He was like two yards short, and Boyd dropped it. His first drop of the entire season. That was six minutes left. Bengals are at the 50. You're one first down away from another field goal and going up seven. And so I thought that was a big play because instead they punted away, and then that's where that Rams scoring drive begins. And, uh, you know, I think it has to be the
0: Cooper Cup drive. The guy took over. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he totally took over. And, you know, what's so funny, even on that drive to start the game, to start the drive. They're throwing. But then at some point they still run. And I mean, you mentioned all the rushing statistics, but they're even worse. Like when you look at their early rushes, negative 44 EPA per play, 22 percent success rate. When you look at their runs in general. Negative 40 EPA per play, 24% success rate. They ran 21 times and 18 times on early rushes. And it's so funny because they had a crucial third and one and they got stuck. I think it's fourth and one. And Sean McVay pulled out his most creative run play, Cooper Cup runs, picks up the first down. <laughs> and it's so funny to me because I knew they were running the ball. I just didn't expect them to run it to Cooper Cup. And I, I ended up yeah. working out. And you put the ball in your best. Playmaker's hand, and he picks it up. And I, I think that that was another crucial play. And then right after that, you you saw the Rams driving down the field. And I think at that point, you know, somebody said to me he, they didn't feel like the the Bengals would get the ball back. And I felt like there was enough time for them to get it back. But I I was thinking that the Bengals might actually hold them down in the, in the red zone, and they came close. And then you had that controversial holding penalty. What did you What did you think of that? Because personally, I didn't think. I thought the way they were calling the game all game long, it was very disappointing for them to call that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a hold. It's Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has earned the superstar call and he had his hands on him. And you know, like I thought that was a story too. That there were other calls too, Skowronak or some of the other guys who they maybe could have had a hold or defensive pass interference and they look for the flag. Look, those guys aren't getting the call, not in the Super Bowl, not in the third and fourth quarter. Cooper Cup is the only guy that's going to get that call. And that's that's how this goes. We know the stars get the calls. I thought it was the right call. Certainly, they deserved a call after the T. Higgins thing. So I I saw a lot of talk about the refs down the stretch. It it was a weird game. If you remember week 17, the Bengals-Chiefs game, this was eerily similar feeling to that one where the Bengals are driving late, and then they kept getting those penalty first downs. They even had the QB sneak to kind of run the clock a little bit. Like, that's what I thought Stafford was doing. And it, it felt very similar, except the Bengals were on the other foot. They had the ball on that one. This one, they're on defense. Cooper Cup got credit for six first downs on that final drive. He had that end around. I think McVay was finally watching a little Kyle Shanahan ball. Gave him the old Debo Samuel play on that one. So he had that one. He had an eight-yard catch. 22 yard catch on a no look pass from Matt Stafford with like four minutes left in the Super Bowl what the heck another eight yard catch and then yeah three straight first down penalties or I guess one of them was an offset uh but that it was a touchdown so cup caught two game winning touchdowns one of them they took away with on a hold which was the right call but uh catches the actual touchdown somehow they got him on single coverage which I don't know what you're doing. leaving single coverage on Cooper Cup with the championship on the line. But the guy took over down the stretch. Obviously, that's where he won MVP. 15 play, 79-yard drive. And so the Bengals get the ball back. First play, Ramsey tries to jump and doesn't do it. Chase gets 17 yards. They get nine more to Tyler Boyd. So we're second and one, basically at the 50. They've got a timeout left. There's still like a minute uh, on the clock they're looking pretty good. They got money. Mac, they're like 10 yards from his range. And that's where I thought the coaching and the play calling really went poorly. That third down and one with Pirine, the wrong stuff. What are you doing there?
0: That's, that's one of the worst calls of the season given the spot. You got to go back to the second and one, because to me, why aren't you just looking to pick up the first down at that point? Like to me, like that was a total wasted down. I think they went no huddle there and Bro ends up throwing a bomb and it's just like, yo, dude, you, you, you gotta go, you gotta get the first down. Like that's the first, that's the most important thing. You get the first down, you got four more downs to play with. You only need about eight more yards to get into field goal range. And that was a wasted down. And then to me, why in the world is P Ron on the, like, why is P Ron getting the run? Like you had all um, these four, you all had all these short down situations and your all-pro, pro pro build, running back isn't in for any of them. Like, Joe Mixon not being in there is, is just inexcusable. And then when you saw his fourth and one, there in the shotgun. I kind of knew that they weren't picking it up. Like, it was just quite obviously, obvious that they were going to pass. But Aaron Donald, he, I mean, he made the two biggest plays of the game. Look, you stop piron from getting the first down when it looked like he was he was there. And then you pretty much make the sack on Burrow and that's the game. But like, it was, it was very frustrating for me just because yeah. honestly, I felt like the Bengals. to me when the play, when the, when the drive started and they hit Jamar chase and then they made the next pass play to me, there was no doubt that they were going to go down and score and to see it in when you have a second and one third and one, and you can't pick up one yard. I just think that's all play calling.
1: Yeah, I was frustrated too because some of my biggest props were on field goals. I had McPherson. I did the escalator prop. I had him hitting two, three, and four. So I thought we were money. We were going to hit the third one. We'd have a shot to hit the fourth one in overtime, which I had 10 to one. I had four combined field goals. So I was feeling great. Like, okay, here we go. We're getting that field goal. We're going to overtime. And I thought it was funny too. Those last two plays, both Aaron Donald stuffs. And they really... The two of the stories of the season in the off season coming into the year, number one was there was the whole conversation about is Aaron Donald actually bad at stuffing the run? Like, no, clearly not. He makes the huge run stuff play tackles him and doesn't let him fall forward for the first down. And then we had the whole thing of, did the Bengals make the right choice? Should they have drafted offensive lineman, Pene Suel? Did, did they make the right choice with chase? And then we get the last meaningful play of the season. Jamar Chase is effectively open because Jalen Ramsey fell down, and but there's no time to get him the ball because they didn't have the blocking and Donald gets through. So, yeah, the Stars and scrub thing worked. At the end, Cooper Cup made the plays. Aaron Donald made the plays. Early on, Odell Beco made the plays. Stafford came through with the big throws. Von Miller had a couple of sacks and was in the backfield all game. The Stars did it, but I'll say it too. A couple unsung heroes in this game. Third string tight end, Bryson Hopkins. You ever heard of Bryson Hopkins before yesterday? I've not. I had not either. He had two catches on the last drive. He had four catches for 47 yards, caught all four of his targets. This is a second year, fourth round pick, one career reception into the game. And the dude showed up. He caught four balls. He moved the chains. Rookie third round linebacker, Ernest Jones, also big game for him. He got targeted early enough and it was clear that was part of the Bengals' plan. He had that fourth down pass breakup early in the game, hit seven tackles, he had a sack, and two tackles for a loss. So even as much as the Stars came through, Ernest Jones, Bryson Hopkins, the depth of the Rams' roster still had to show up and complement it. So, yeah, the Rams become the first team ever to win three playoff games by three or fewer points. You look at the stats – Pretty even for the most part. The yardage was very close. The time of possession and the first downs were very close. Just slight edge to the Rams on those. But I thought a big key was third downs. Bengals were 3 of 14 on third downs. On late down plays, they were negative 0.74 EPA per play. So it just didn't happen for them. And the, the Rams go 3 for 3 in the red zone versus 1 for 3 for the Bengals. Cincinnati finished 4 of 14 in the red zone for the playoffs. So they have their chances. They certainly could have won this game. They showed up a little more than I gave them credit for, but the Rams
0: got the job done. Yeah. You know, I felt like this would be a close game, so I wasn't surprised. It's interesting to see, you know, this was one of the few Super Bowls where you actually had the favorite win, but the underdog cover. So
1: Cooper Cup came through. He was my MVP pick six to one, seven to one at some books, finishes the season. 19 of 21 games, he had 92 yards. This That's what he had, 92 yards here. That's an absurd season. For the whole season, 178 catches, counting the playoffs, 2,425 yards, 22 touchdowns. Just an absurd, insane year for Cooper Cup. I don't think any of us expected that coming into the year. So I hit big on the Cooper Cup MVP. Both of us had the first half under. I had Rams first to score, Rams halftime full-time. How did your other props do for you? Any other hits for you? I had
0: Bengals first half field goals over 0.5. You knew that was going to hit just based on yeah. how this team has just struggled in the red zone. I also had the one that I was pissed off was um first drive Bengals punt. I was, I was <laughs> we really both had that one. What else did we have? Oh, Bengals first, first score field goal that hit. Like you kind of knew that that was going to hit, but that actually got closer than I thought it would be because I think Boyd actually dropped the touchdown. Um, But yeah, a a lot of my game props hit. All
1: right, last thing on this. I got a question for you. I want you to tell me which of these three you think is the most likely. Number one, Aaron Donald retires, goes out as a champion here. We heard that rumor going into the game. Number two, Matt Stafford makes the Hall of Fame. He's got all the numbers, the volume, and now he's got the Super Bowl ring. Or number three, Joe Burrow makes it to another Super Bowl. Which
0: one of those three do you think is most likely? I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Um, I, like I, I said yesterday, I felt like Joe Burrow might go out like Dan Marino. And you have a second-year quarterback, makes the, makes the Super Bowl. And a lot of people always want to say, oh, yeah, this guy will be back. But it's like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, none of this is guaranteed. And there's nothing that we've seen from the Cincinnati Bengals throughout their entire existence, which leaves us any confidence in their ability to build a contender around Joe Burrow. There's there's nothing that I see in that situation. So this team kind of luck boxed their way into getting to the Super Bowl anyway. They got outgained by every single opponent. Even in this game, it just, it felt like, they were kind of going to luck box their way into a victory, and they came very close. But I know they have some problems on the offensive line. The defense was solid, but I'm not counting on this team to, to be a team that's going to perennially go to the Super Bowl, even with Joe Burrow. Yeah, and the AFC is a gauntlet too with Patrick Mahomes, Josh
1: Allen, Justin Herbert. That definitely is going to be a tough, tough conference going forward. So it's going to be a tough road for Burrow. I would agree that I think that's the least likely of those three. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and then take a look back on the season that was. You know, you know,
0: one thing I want to say, I want to say one thing about the Super Bowl. And this Super Bowl was a reminder of why I don't like Perry. Because I feel like you could play these entire playoffs again and you wouldn't, neither one of these teams might have made it. Like to me, I, I felt like I wasn't watching the champion. Like I, I want to give credit to the Rams. They, they got it done. But I don't feel like the best team won the Super Bowl. And I think that's the one thing that's frustrating about parity. And I think that's why we probably didn't, like, we we watched that first half and we're texting and it's just like, yo, this is not really that enjoyable because it's just, you're not seeing the best of the best play. I I felt like we saw two teams who kind of, to me, the Rams, they were a team who they beat up on a bad Cardinals team, which was bombed out and depleted for the last four or five weeks of the season. then. You know, they played a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, which had a banged up offensive line. It really wasn't the same team that they were midseason when they had all the weapons and Godwin, Antonio Brown. And then to me, they luck boxed their way into a win with the 49ers. And then we've spoken on the Cincinnati Bengals enough. So it would have been nice to see Buffalo or Kansas City or, you know, even Green Bay or the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl. Because I just, to me, I... I watched the Super Bowl and I just didn't feel like I was watching the best team. It's kind of disappointing for me.
1: Yeah, I understand that, and uh, yeah, let's use that to talk about some of our kind of takeaways from the season because that mm. kind of hints toward one of my big takeaways, which is I just felt like there wasn't a truly great team this season. And you listed out some teams that I think were were good that I thought were better than the Bengals, but we had a lot of good but not great, flawed contenders this season, and for me you know, we had, we had our fun on the 49ers futures. That was part of the thing on the Niners futures is heading into like week 17, 18. I looked at the playoff picture and I thought, man, there's nobody that I'm like, all right, this team's definitely going to be in the conference championship. There's, there's nobody that was definitely going to make a run at something. And it just, it felt like, okay, you know, in another world, the Colts get into the playoffs. I think the Colts could have won a few games and made the conference championship. In other world, the Chargers, I think, could have won a couple of games if they get into the playoffs. Or, like you said, if you simulate the playoffs again, I think, you know, in the first weekend, the Rams and the Bengals games, for me, out of six games, were the least consequential games of any of them. I was thinking these teams are just seeing who wins, Rams, Cardinals, or Bengals, Raiders, just gonna be like a layup for the teams afterward. So clearly a miss by me, but it just it felt like a, a parody year. And I agree. You know, I had a lot of friends yesterday asking, so, you know, what do you want to happen in the Super Bowl? Who do you want to win? And I, I love the underdog story. You love Joe Burrow. You love to see the Bengals here for really the first time in our lives as adults. Because in 1989, I, I wasn't I was six. I wasn't watching the Super Bowl then or knew what was happening. You, you like the story. But as a sports fan, as a sports writer, I want the champion to be representative of the season. And it wouldn't have really felt to me like the Bengals represented the season. They, they were an average to above average team all year. The Rams better feel like they represent it because we had the Stafford thing all, all year. They picked up Von Miller and OBJ midseason. Given the two, that's kind of what I felt like just as a sports fan, I wanted to happen. But really, I think it represents either way. There wasn't that great team. The other thing that I think that ties to it is that so much late in the year, and this happened last year too, and I failed to see it in the Chiefs. I picked Chiefs over Bucks last year. So much late just comes down to the battle of attrition. Who's left? Who's left on the field? And I thought it was going to happen yesterday too. From the first half, I was all over the Rams. I was the one person to Action Network backing the Rams yesterday. And when they went up 13 to three, I was like, all right, bring me my flowers. I got the Rams. We're looking good. This team is way better. I try to tell you all. Suddenly, OBJ gets hurt, Weddle is hurt, and I'm like, all right, it's happening here. There's nobody left, and the Bengals are going to win by default because the Rams don't have guys on the field that can make the plays anymore, and I think think we have to give the Rams credit, that late drive with just Stafford and Cup coming through and the defense being as stout as it did, Like, given the odds of how weak they were in the secondary and how many receivers they're missing... I think like that's a pretty big step up for the guys they did have left but yeah no great team and just how much health real uh, is a factor late were kind of my big takeaways what other big takeaways did you have or lessons that you learned this
0: season I think we're seeing the new age of quarterback like by far I mean when you look at some of the young quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes he already has a Super Bowl but you look at Josh Allen Josh Allen played perhaps one of the best games you'll ever see a quarterback play only to get a loss. You look at Joe Burrow; like he's proven that he's next. So it's just like you're seeing that Tom Brady, that Drew Brees, that Aaron Rodgers, the Peyton Manning. That era is is over. We're seeing a new era of quarterbacking. And if you don't have one of these guys, there's only so much you can do. I think some of these other teams are going to have to take a hard look at: is their quarterback good enough? You know, it's like I love Kyler Murray, but he couldn't get it done without. DeAndre Hopkins. I love Dak Prescott, but he he just wasn't good enough when it mattered. And I think you got to have one of these guys who were good enough. We saw the Titans. The Titans were the number 1 C when it came down to it. Ryan Tannehill, he he threw the game away with interceptions he couldn't make the plays. So you got to have one of those guys.
1: I agree. I had that in my notes too, just the changing of the guard and that you've got to have that quarterback when it comes down to it. So, big picture from the season what teams for you were you the most right about, or who won you the most money? For for me, I think the Cowboys. I had the Cowboys among my Super Bowl contenders coming into the season. We remember at the start of the season they kept winning and covering like st- uh, week after week. So I they, I backed them early and often. Obviously they didn't come through for me in the playoffs with my Super Bowl ticket, but they were looking good going in. Uh, I made a lot of money. We made a lot of money on Steelers money lines as underdogs this year just kind of playing that. And of course the Niners, we didn't get our futures on it, but we did get those, kept getting those money line wins late, beating the Rams and then the Cowboys and uh, th- then, you know, getting all the way to the NFC championship and within 10 minutes of the Super Bowl. So those were the big wins for me.
0: Who, who are your teams that you were most right about or who won you the most? Well, I mean, you mentioned the Niners, the Niners were big for us in the playoffs earlier on in the season. I was like the, the champion of the Minnesota Vikings betting syndicate, like, I'm looking at some of my records here. I actually picked the Minnesota Vikings six times. I was 4-2 and two in those games, 66.7%. I think in the Cowboys games, I was 4-1 and one picking with them. The Steelers, I was 4-1 picking with them. Another team, actually, I was 3-0 and oh picking the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. One of the teams that I actually did really well betting against was the Baltimore Ravens. Too. As, you, as you know, through the first half of the season, they were one of those teams who were winning a lot of one-score games. Five and three betting against the Baltimore Ravens. Five and three betting against the Raiders. Four and no betting against the Carolina Panthers. I was three and one betting against the Bears. Three and one betting against the Broncos. This, I mean, there's some interesting ones in here. I think the 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 two teams that I struggled with all year, the Los Angeles Rams. I, I, I lost quite a bit of money betting against them. I was two and five, just twenty eight percent betting on the Rams, and. I faded the Cardinals a ton. That's probably the biggest. They were one of the biggest surprises for me. I was two and five betting against the Cardinals. And I thought the team that they proved that they were down the stretch. That's what I thought they were going to be all year long. And they came out the first 10 weeks of the NFL season and was like nine and one. So they, they really surprised me.
1: Yeah. You mentioned the two teams for me. That were my biggest misses the Cardinals and the Titans. They played back in week one. And I remember coming into the season, like you spend so much more time on the week one game than any other week of the season because you've been waiting and and prepping all offseason. And I remember just shrugging at that game being like, well, I think I took the point. So just like I have no idea what either one of these teams is. Neither one is good. Neither one really matters. And then halfway through the season, I was like, oh, wait, was that the Super Bowl preview that we watched back in week one? So I, I got crushed early on in cards and Titans. I made it back a little bit late. I was a little too heavy on the Falcons too. I, I couldn't let that one go. I thought Arthur Smith was going to really, you know, amp that offense and it just didn't happen. So it, that, that never came around. The Bengals obviously were a big surprise. I, I never gave them enough credit until, uh, until they made it nearly won the Super Bowl here. So what about what, what futures wins? So, you know, my, my Tom Brady pick came up short. My Dak Prescott comeback uh, player of the year came up short, both runners up on that one, but I still made money on MVP, got in on Aaron Rodgers just in time after that Brady Saints game. And also Jamar Chase for Rookie of the Year and TJ Watt for Defensive Player of the Year. Both of those were mid-season picks. Those were races that I didn't feel good about early in the year. So that was a takeaway for me on futures is you can kind of wait and wait for your moment at Watt plus 250, Rodgers plus 250, Chase at 110, and then at 300, that sweet spot, kind of around 250, 300, where it's like maybe the second guy in the race, but you don't like the first guy. You feel like they're about to close the gap. That's kind of how my futures
0: played out. Did you have any futures wins? I didn't have a ton of futures. I, I think I had some win totals. Um, I think one of the futures that me and you both played was the Indianapolis Colts to miss the playoffs. I actually had the the Colts to miss the playoffs before the season started, even money. So to be able to get something that I like before the season, At even money at plus one thousand, like I really loved that one. All of us were on Cleveland, and (laughs) that one did not go well. But they had all the injuries. We we got off of Cleveland pretty fast. But uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, that's another that's another one where it proves that you got to have that right guy at quarterback.
1: We called ourselves a Browns podcast in the preseason, and we got out of that business pretty quickly. I was looking back last night, kind of tallying up my bets for the season on the NFL. I had Brown Super Bowl uh, in there. I had Baker Mayfield MVP in there, way back from the start of the season. And I kind of forgotten about like, oh, well, that that never really happened there. But uh, I tallied up in the app for my bets on the season, 457 bets. We've finished just on NFL app bets in the Action Network app, plus 49.3 units on the season, so 14.6 return on investment. So hopefully, a lot of you guys listening. Hopefully you uh, made some money off of all those picks. And before we close out here, I want to do one thing that we've done the whole season. We're going to do a little look ahead and take a look ahead to next season. See what we're thinking early on. So first, just a couple of teams I was talking about them. Who do we think will bounce back or who we think that there might be some early value on? Obviously we don't know where the guys are going to end up, how the draft will go, what quarterbacks will move around but what's a team that you've got your eye on for next season right now?
0: Definitely the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think they had a ton of injuries this year. Obviously, Lamar Jackson was banged up. And you saw Lamar Jackson through the first eight weeks of the season. They won a ton of closed games. And then you saw that regress towards the end of the season. I think the, the Baltimore Ravens are definitely going to take a step forward. That's a team that I, I, I'm really, really looking at. Um. Yeah, I,
1: I like the Ravens too the, you know, John Harbaugh is still there. Lamar Jackson will be healthy again. And again, MVP candidate. They also finished fourth in a division. So they're going to get a really soft schedule because of that. They get to play the NFC South and the AFC East next year. So the only thing is books already have the Ravens sixth to win the championship next year. So I think that they're also with us on that one. So I like the Ravens, the team I had my eye on here is the chargers. So the chargers finished third in their division. So that means, again, a little bit of a softer schedule. That means they got games against Miami, Cleveland, Houston, Atlanta coming up. We know Justin Herbert is awesome, can get the job done. They were fourth in DVOA in offense this year, and they have the fourth most cap space of any team. So they're going to be able to go out and bolster that offensive line a little bit more and hopefully especially attack that defense. That was just not good enough this year. But if they can add to the defense the way they added the O-line this year, Chargers are at plus 2500 at BetMGM right now, which is only the 15th highest for uh, uh for winning the title. Herbert can win the title. Herbert can be Joe Burrow or Matt Stafford. So I like the Chargers. They're probably my favorite pick right now cuz they already have they they have the name. They have Herbert. They don't, we don't have to wait on the carousel. We just have to use all that cap space to
0: bolster the defense. If I'm looking at a long shot of a team that I feel like can make a leap, to me, I think the Philadelphia Eagles can potentially make a leap if they get a new quarterback. And I know there's, there's going to be a, a market for a lot of quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, we got to know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson, with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of these guys are, are going to be leaving their teams. So if the Eagles can get a Deshaun Watson, I think they're in a, a good place. I think the Denver Broncos, to me, with them firing Vic Fangio, I think they're in a good position. Like We love the Broncos this year. They just need a new quarter. I think if they get a quarterback and a coach, I think they're right there. The books think they're
1: right there too. I think the the books think that Aaron Rodgers is headed to Denver because depending on where you look, Denver is like sixth or seventh for best title odds for next year. So we are may already have missed the window on getting some odds there. I think you look for a sleeper in the NFC because the AFC, we just said they've got all those quarterbacks loaded up, especially if Rodgers ends up over there too. I couldn't really figure out who the sleeper is in the NFC though. So let me make the case for my Vikings. Kevin O'Connell, Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator comes in. I always love to look for the new coach. And I think that he could do some stuff with that offense, unlock Justin Jefferson a little bit, the way that he did Cooper Cup this year. And could Kirk Cousins be a Matt Stafford type year if he got the right protection and the right receivers? Maybe. I'm talking myself into it. The defensive talent is there. Didn't perform this year, but Vikings have an extra home game next year. The schedule shapes up pretty nicely. They're forty to one right now. I got my Vikings jersey on in the Super Bowl. It's as close as I've ever gotten. Do the Vikings have any shot, or if Kirk is around, is it just dead on arrival?
0: I'm not. I'm not trusting Kirk Cousins. I, I just. <laughs> I love the offense. I love Justin Jefferson. I love Adam Thielen. It's just when push comes to shove, can you trust this guy? And I, I just don't trust him. I can't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. I hate to do it to you, Bengals fans. It's already a low spot, but the Bengals are the top of my list. Yeah, The the Bengals finished 17th in DVOA, 18th on offense, 19th on defense. I still don't trust Zach Taylor. There's no offensive line. The defense certainly showed up at moments in these playoffs, but there's some work to be done there. They do have a lot of cap rooms. They're going to add to this team. You like Burrow, you like Chase and Higgins and Boyd, but right now the Bengals are sixth favorite at the books. I don't see it. Look, a great Cinderella run, but it's a tough division. I think the Bengals have a better chance to miss the playoffs right now than they would to get back to the Super Bowl next year. Doubt it, it. I think the rest of the division is going to get better.
0: I, I agree with that 100%.
1: But that is going to wrap it up today. And for the football season here at the Action Network Podcast, thank you. Thank you to everyone who has listened and followed along all season. Thank you to our producers, Dan Titus and Matt Mitchell to all of our editors and production team, everyone that worked behind the scenes tirelessly to make this a great product. Thank you to our listeners and to our fans. There's no show without you guys listening. You guys reviewed, you sent messages, you followed along, hailed our picks all season long. We made a lot of money together. So thanks for listening along the way. With Super Bowl wrapped up, the Action Network podcast will be covering major events throughout the off season. We got March Madness, we'll have UFC, special events like the Oscars. Later this week, Matt Moore and I come over from the Buckets podcast to give you our best bets for NBA All-Star Weekend. So stay tuned to the Action Network podcast, and thanks for a great NFL season. Don't forget, if you haven't yet, one last reminder, please rate and review the podcast, Apple and Spotify, and then follow me and Raheem. Sports are not over, just NFL. Come over to the Buckets feed. We'll get you ready for the NBA home stretch. Credit deadline is in the rearview mirror, and we're heading toward the playoffs So make sure you follow us on the Action Network app for all of our action there and across other sports. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to the offseason.